Internet, don't feed me any more lines from Monsters, Inc. My name is Matthew Kroll. And nobody puts baby in a corner. My name is Shahir Dowd. That's not from this movie. Wait, what? Yeah, it, no. Because this is, Shahir, <laughs> this is the only podcast about the film Baby Driver. You're very excited. So, I am From the so... jungle to the trap. Everybody knows bets. I did see. The okay, movie. good. I'm I glad. Just, I was just messing with you. Yeah. No. I mean, that was a fun uh, way to piss me off straight up. Uh, it's fine. It's fine, guys. Thank you so much for joining us yet again on the only podcast about movies. Uh, we obviously have researched that greatly, as you know. We've done at least three to four. Well, at this point, we've done it uh, a total of probably like three minutes of research, and we're you know are we spread across a hundred, a hundred and and eight hundred nine episodes. Uh, like and yeah, uh, we're just still looking for more. So if you know. About any send them our way. <laughs> uh, but welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Shahir, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread right now, as we both are. It's 11 o'clock at night on a, on a what, what day is it? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. We've just seen, well, we saw the movie last night right. within our schedules. Yes. Uh, it's been, it's been, been rough. It's yeah, been I know. We've rough. been we've been super busy. Uh but we are prioritizing you the listener. We are prioritizing at least I really wanted to this film. I was super excited to see it. Uh and yeah, uh we're we're going to power through this like a like like crazy fucking well, stunt director. I know we're going to have to because you I can t- I can tell by the way you're gyrating in your chair. Oh, I'm gyrating? I didn't even know. You're gyrating in your chair. You're wriggling around. Edgar Wright is your man. He is my favorite working director. Uh, working director. I'm yeah, trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to pass that uh, that that whole statement down. But okay, okay. working he, director, not a dead guy, not a dead guy, or a retired guy, or a retired guy. Yeah, he's your your favorite, uh, bar none. Uh, Joss he, Whedon. Yeah, he, he he he. Oh my god, that's so sad. But he does top Joss. He does top Joss. Whedon. Yeah, Joss yeah. is definitely a very close second. So wait, does that mean that? I mean, I know Scott Pilgrim is, is Scott Pilgrim your favorite movie of all time? Uh, Oh, it's definitely my top five. Scott I Pilgrim don't versus like versus Avengers. Where do you, where do you, where do you, holy shit. Well, That's just, a Sophie's choice. Yeah, no. Which one are you going oh, like, to drop, drop off the cliff? Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim I'd want. I'd yeah. want to keep with me when I jumped off the cliff or whatever, or the desert Island or whatever the analogy sort of is. I would take, I think Scott Pilgrim is a, uh, speaks to my very, it, a, I think it's a very incredibly well-crafted movie by a very talented man, uh, talented team. And B, not only in addition to that, it speaks exactly to the inner workings of my soul. It's, and it's, if, if we pulled apart your brain, there would be a video game of Scott Pilgrim playing with like the little motion graphics. Jumping oh around yeah. I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. Is that the way you view the world right now? When I'm talking, is there like that's kind of how I view sad face emojis? Oh yeah, I don't see anyone. I don't see your face. (laughs) It's just a blur and just. (laughs) Um, So yes, I love Edgar Wright. Um, I think obviously the Cornetto trilogy is fantastic. Scott Pilgrim's wonderful. Um, Spaced God, Spaced is so good. If you haven't watched that, go back and watch it. it. Still on Netflix? I think it is still on Netflix. If it's not, we need to write our congressman Uh, because it would (laughs) be a travesty. It goes in the order of the spaced then healthcare. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get on that. Get on space first. I feel like that's an easier solve. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I was super psyched. What do you, what do you think about Edgar Wright? Do you, do you like him? Hate him? Indifferent? Uh, I mean, of course, I had a, <laughs> I had a special uh, breaking of my Edgar Wright virginity, uh, which was that uh, I went along to a film festival screening in New Zealand, and uh, um, he had just made this movie called Shaun of the Dead, which I just heard a little bit about. Nothing, nothing really spectacular. 
about it. You know, nothing. I hadn't heard a lot about it. I just heard people say it was good. Sure. Um, so and at the last second, a friend of mine got me a midnight screening ticket to it. He turned up. It was at Peter Jackson's theater uh, just after Peter Jackson had renovated it for so uh, fun for Lord of the Rings. So the sound and the seating in this theater was really amped for it. And because because Edgar Wright was there. Right. They really like. Uh, turned it up for him. So uh, that movie just rocked my world. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Sure, I, sure, sure. I absolutely loved. Um, I have an interesting thing with the Edgar Wright, which is that, yes, without a doubt at this point, Edgar Wright gets my money. No matter, you know, uh, what he's making, whatever right, he's right, making, right, yeah. he, get, he gets, he, he gets my, here's hard earned dollars. Um, eh, a moderately earned, uh, d- moderate yeah, difficulty. Lazily. Yeah. Uh, so that's not, yeah, you're yeah. not, you're not roofing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I, I would say there has been for me slightly diminishing returns since Shaun of the Dead. Really? Which is, it's, it's, I think every film he's made is masterful and demonstrates his commitment and his talent. And I've never felt like he's phoning it in. I feel like he throws everything but the kitchen sink mm-hmm. at the, at whatever he's working on. You can see that this is a craftsman of the highest elk. I would say though, Shaun of the Dead still for me is, is the one I love. And followed by it, it literally goes in chronological, really chronological order, which is probably a little bit of a a, a hint of my review of Baby Driver. Uh oh. Um, uh, as Scott Pilgrim is a movie I know you love. I I when I watched that I enjoyed it very much. I'm also a motion graphics designer and I have a motion graphics company. So uh, Scott Pilgrim is still the high water benchmark for uh, motion graphics integration into a film. I just found and I've only seen it the one time that that for well, you got to come over. Uh, I, I mean I've tried. I I've always wanted to watch it again. Um, that I found that this the the structure of that film got tiresome after about the second or third person. Oh, uh, no, not you, for me. I, I'm, I'm sure. And I, like, here's the thing. I know people love Edgar Wright and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I, sure. you know, there's, there's that, that love is entirely warranted. I've just personally found, like, for example, I think the world's end is not my, is, is my least favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. Cornetto for me goes, uh, favorite being Sean, yeah. then world's end, then hot fuzz, but mm-hmm. hot fuzz. I, I see hot yeah. fuzz has a weird spot because I saw hot fuzz obviously right after seeing uh Sean of the dead, like yeah. that was his next movie. Yeah. And I wanted like another Shaun of the dead and it just wasn't. And yeah. I, so I was instantly disappointed, but then going back like a year later and watching it again, it get, that, that movie gets better every time you watch it. I, I think this is the case with Edgar, right? Is that, um, you know, like I, I, I really, really liked hot fuzz the first time I saw it, but it didn't like rock my sure. world. Like Shaun of the dead did. I thought Shaun of the dead was such a, uh, a perfect it's arguably a perfect movie. Um, and, and hot fuzz just kind of felt like a little bit more of the same. Um, but rewatching hot fuzz, I've always enjoyed it. I've, I've gotten a lot out of it. This is an Edgar Wright is a filmmaker that rewards repeat viewing. So yeah. I'm sure, you know, uh, Scott Pilgrim a second time around is, is, is going to be much more enjoyable for me. I have to have seen that movie probably, I mean, God, close to 50 times in my life. And uh, I feel like I see something new every time, which is insane to me because I, I pay it. I pay attention yeah. uh, and it's uh, it's always, it's always very interesting. It's a great, great. I mean, you know, like that's the thing. I, I don't want to suggest that I don't like, no, 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 but, I just, but I just, there is a, there is a difference between when, when I'm sure it'll come up during the conversation about baby driver, but there's going to be a difference between I just saw a move, the newest film from my favorite director and you just saw a film 
that whether you like or don't like, but he's not in your pantheon the same way he is in mine. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. But but it's also, I think the case of like with directors, you know, like whether they've, um, whether they've done something that goes beyond what you initially knew them for. And I think, you know, some directors do that really well. Some directors like, like, you know, like it's, it's hard to, you know, like, I think it's a fair comparison to say, even though he's got less films, but Edgar Wright could be compared, could be kind of an English funnier Quentin Tarantino more esque sort of film. Sure. Um, and you know, Tarantino has evolved in a way that is interesting. And I think he's done things that I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I still love Pulp Fiction, but I also love Inglorious Bastards. Right, right, right. Also, you know, like he's kind of evolved in that way. So I'm, I'm, you know, um, I, yeah, well, well, well let's get into well, baby before, driver. before we get into baby driving, you try to tear down my dreams. Uh, we <laughs> should do a little bit of a housekeeping while we're still friends. So, uh, go for it. Where can folks oh, find so us? I'm going to do it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, well, you can find us, uh, tearing down your dreams at only moviepodcast.com. Not everyone's dreams. Not everyone's dreams, but maybe Edgar Wright's dreams. Oh, Oh, sorry, Edgar. I mm. really like you. Um, because <laughs> he's listening. He, he actually replied to a tweet of mine a couple of weeks ago. So that was a oh, that's that was, nice. That was a nice little throw. I asked him what his favorite podcast was and why it wasn't ours. Uh, and he replied. What did he say? Oh, <laughs> uh, he told me what his favorite podcast was. Oh, he didn't say why it wasn't ours. Yeah, he oh. didn't say why it wasn't ours. Oh well. Um, uh, but uh, Edgar, right? If you're if you're listening in and wa- and want to correct this uh, this gr- heinous error on your part, you can do so uh, <laughs> by emailing us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Uh, and uh, Edgar, uh, even though we're going to have an interesting debate about your movie, uh, please write us a review. You know, we'll, we'll take... I will, <laughs> I will defend you to the death. Yeah, we've got... And it's Mr. Right. It's Mr. Right. It's not just Edgar. <laughs> we're not on a first name basis with him. Oh, but, but you are on a first name basis with Josh, right? Josh Whedon? Yeah, because Josh, I feel like, is just like, not that not that uh, Mr. Right is a, uh, I don't think he's a stuffy man by any means imagination. I just, I don't know. I, he, I, he, from the time that I briefly met him in New Zealand, he's a lovely He lovely seems man. like such a cool fucking dude. He's a very cool guy. Uh, also iTunes reviews. If you like what you hear, leave us some stars. That's all we got for that. Uh, yeah. So no, Matt, baby no. driver, you want to hear what IMDB says the, the breakdown is? Yeah. Well, what is it? Yeah, Here okay. it is. After being coerced into working for a crime boss, a young getaway driver finds himself taking part in a heist doomed to fail. Is it doomed to fail? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it was doomed to fail. The first one, the first heist was like. The first two heists went really well. Went really smooth. Well, uh, well, we'll talk the about second the second one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the first one, you know, like the one that's in the trailer mm-hmm. uh, goes by really, really well. Let's talk about the trailer real quick. I know I watched the trailer after the movie. Sure. So I haven't seen. I, I really seen like it. how most of the trailer is just just the first heist and with a couple little bitty scenes through there. But like, I was really happy when watching that first 20 minutes of this film, I was like, Oh, all the action scenes I remember for the trailer are happening right now, which means cool stuff that I haven't seen is come. Like they didn't ruin the movie in the trailer. I guess. I mean, I still, um, there's a scene in the trailer that, uh, when you see it happen on the screen, I think it's quite delightful to watch. And, and I was very glad that I hadn't seen two or three of the shots that sure. are heavily featured in the trailer. So it's not even that they spoil. Yeah, you, I agree. They don't, it doesn't spoil the movie per se, mm-hmm. but it's, 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 I particularly like, like no, n- not having any information about what's going to happen and basically watching that first car chase unfold in front of me in the way it's supposed yeah. to unfold. I, yeah. I, I think that's a really uh, magical experience yeah. and I'm so happy. I don't watch the trailer yeah. anymore for that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, do you just want me to get into my my, my initial thoughts of the I thing? I mean, we or, could talk about crocheting if you want. But, oh, you know, well, like, I actually am working on a very nice needlepoint. Oh, uh, really? It is of Edgar yeah, Wright, right, so yeah. I don't quite know if it's off topic. Edgar, write us in your address and we'll send it to you. Oh, yeah, well, uh, good old needlepoint. Uh, <laughs> no, I wanted to love this movie so much, and then I did, uh, which is such a strange... Uh, I, I really wasn't disappointed. Like, I was going in and being like, it can't live up to what I want it to be. Right. Uh, and it did. Uh which is great. Obviously the big draw that seems to be in the, in the sort of press junket is the way music is used. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into a sort of discussion about that. Yeah. Cause um, I feel like this is going to relate in part to our life aquatic and guardians and guardians. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I am incredible. And I loved, I loved the style of this movie. And I know I use this word a lot in a derogatory term, but I'm going to use it in it. And I don't mean it to be derogatory every that time. Word on air, by the way. I, well, <laughs> uh, give it, give it time. <laughs> no, uh, the, 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 this movie, it's, it's main sort of, uh, uh, the way it deals with music is in a very gimmicky way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the gimmick works so fucking well. And that is a credit to the editing and the way he shot it and how he planned these scenes out. It's basically every, this whole thing is basically to a almost nonstop soundtrack to a point. And uh, there's an interesting story about how the screenplay came when, when they sent it to actors, they sent it with a thumb drive yeah. of the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, and so, which is great. And also like, for instance, uh, the, the bell bottom song, for instance, <laughs> I was listening to um, the Nerdist podcast and Edgar was on there too. Mr. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Mr. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mr. Right's my father. No. Uh, and he was saying how he had for the last 20 years in his head, the chase scene to that song that's it, that he got to make in this movie. And that, uh, I mean, we'll get into sort of the passion projectness of this film, but yeah. like he's been carrying this with him for a long time. So he had planned out so much stuff based on these, on this, on this music. Now, can I tell you uh, one thing that's really frustrating about all that? Sure. Is that he's, he uses two songs that I've done exactly the same thing for, which is two songs that I've written down in screenplays as being key to the film and will be used. And, and he uses them in there. I was like, oh. so he beat you to it. Oh my God. He totally, and he you know, used them amazingly. Yeah, so, so I'm like, I'm not. Oh yeah. You get mad at people that are, that, that do things that you were thinking of when they do them well. Oh, I get mad at everyone who's better than me at everything. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look, I don't, if we want to get into like uh, we do. <laughs> Life Aquatic or uh, Guardians 2 or, or or whatever, sort of the usage of music, if I had to sort of rank the, the, the sort of style, I am the most impressed with Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. I had more of an emotional connection with the way Guardians did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really thought uh, the use in the Life Aquatic was uh, it was interesting and again <laughs> that's that's a, that's a that's a dog whistle for uh, i appreciate it but i'm not into it yeah, yeah which yeah. is fine yeah. um but that but that's such an interesting thing because like the music didn't affect me in baby driver emotionally right uh it but what it did do was it became sort of a driving no pun intended force behind the entire thing and the way that the sound mixed like there were just like there were car noises mixed in the entire time with most of the tracks that were so subtle and it was so lovely uh and, and that's the other thing about this movie too um it's just the layering of stuff it's a it this is probably the movie of his i think that like probably has the most stuff that you're gonna keep seeing on a second and third and fourth viewing mm-hmm. um but so do you i'm guessing you didn't like the the music or you didn't, it didn't affect you at all. You didn't like 
I don't know. Put it in your uh, look, look, look. Uh, there are a couple of tracks on this that I know and love and have listened to for many years. Um, the one we opened this podcast with, Holy Calamity by uh, a handsome boy modeling school, remixed by DJ Shadow, is a track I've listened to for many years and always wanted to open a movie with. So I'm glad we opened the podcast with. It actually doesn't appear on the album, but it is in the film very, very briefly. But the usage of it is um, problematic of, of, of what I, the way I think this movie does tend to use music. I, yes, I'm very impressed by the, the synchronization coordination between music and image, the way, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx will refer to a lyric, uh, in a song that, which means that the edit has to play the song in that sequence and can't cut around it. Yeah. You know, like that's the kind of thing, you know, like in, when, when we're making a movie, if, if we're going to have a lyric in there, we would, we would opt not to do it because it means that you have to like yeah. place it. It's super hard. It's hard to do. You got to really like commit to it. And this movie commits to that bit the whole way through. Yeah. Um, and so I love that. I got to admit, and I know this is the talking point of this movie that the music is the soundtrack to the, you know, like it's a movie, the, the way Edgar Wright describes it himself is it's a car chase movie that's driven by music. Sure. It's, it's you know, like it's inspired by music. Um, the characters' names are even inspired by music as well. Not many of the songs really like, I was waiting for that moment when a song really like, connected with the visuals in a way that made me kind of like get, uh, and this is a term that I've just come across uh, recently. It's called frisson or frisson. And it's basically a psychological uh, thing that happens where you kind of, it's basically the reason you get goosebumps when you see, when you hear a piece of music. Oh. Or, uh, and I was kind of like waiting for that to happen and it happened once in the movie, but it really did. And I was like, I was curious because I, I, I have to admit, I agree with you that, that there, there's a moment in guardians of the galaxy with the use of a Fleetwood Mac song that like really, really, really yeah. works. And, and I was kind of waiting for this movie to have moments like that. It really didn't for and me. It, yeah. It really didn't have that for me. I, I guess if you really love that bell bottom song sure. at the beginning, maybe that did it. But, but I, I think, you know what I think it is as well is I think, and this is symptomatic of the, of the film in its entirety for me is that I think he's throwing everything at this. And in a way, in some parts, I think he's throwing a little too much at this movie. Um, it's oddly as a film it's his most movie movie of them. Yeah. Of, of oh yeah. Movies, you know? Because it's, like, it's, it's the most, it's the most heist, you know, it's the most classically, uh, he's not parry parodying anything. Yeah. He's not, which, he, and he, he's not a parody. He's not like a, no, he's but, not like the Zucker brothers or anything, but like he that. is, but no, but like, it, but I, I mean, Shaun of the Dead is a parody kind of, it really kind of is, or it's, it, it's it, a, it's it a rehab, a remix. Yeah. It's kind of, he's a, he's a bit of remix artist than he is a parody. And I think, and I think he's not of the horror movie. Yeah. Hot fuzz is the action, the cop action movie. But, but he, you know, like he does something, which is that he wears his references on his sleeves and, and he invites you to, acknowledge them and to enjoy them. And then he can, he, the, the, the thing that was amazing about Sean of the dead is, is like being able to like do that, sure. but also craft something entirely new. So remix, I think is actually yeah. a better term um, for him. Uh, I think this is the most movie movie he's ever made. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I gotta be honest with you, it didn't resonate with me very strongly. And in fact, towards the end of it, I found a lot of it kind of, uh, 
sentimental in the wrong way, like sentimental in a way that made me feel unearned, like made me feel that the film hadn't earned these moments. Um, and I, and I think it, and there's I, a moment I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. think, I think it's, it's kind of, I, I think this is the most throwback of his kind of movies. This is the most where he's like really thrown back. And I, so, you know, the, cla- the, 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 it, it is excellent. Like, and you know, some, some of the things I really like about it is it's an original property. Mm-hmm. Although that's a weird thing to say about this movie because it feels so much steeped in other movies that it's come from. Sure. Um, so it, it's kind of a, that's a, a little bit of a weird dichotomy with it. I don't think that's too much just uh, on that sort of topic. I don't think that's an issue because it's, it's, it's a genre piece. It's a, it's a heist movie. So, uh, right. But I, I think the thing with everything else he's done, Shaun of the dead, hot fuzz, the world's in Scott Pilgrim is he manages to transcend that. Well, he does something different with it in each one. This one, the thing he decided to do different was the way he incorporated music. Well, I, but I also think from a story point of view, it's the most uninteresting of his films from a story, like from a pure story point of view. I think it's the least interesting character and it's the least interesting movie. Right. And I agree with that. But also this is sort of my side. This is sort of my aside to that. I don't think this is a a point I actually have written in my notes. I don't think (laughs) that therefore is valid. Therefore it is entirely true and you cannot challenge it unless you retype it in the Google doc. And then I don't know what I'd do. Um, As we, I know Uh, this movie is so this is what I'll say about the characters. And this is not to talk about the acting. I think the acting is, is incredibly well done. I think everyone in this movie is having the time of their life making it. It just sort of felt that way coming mm-hmm. off the screen. Mm-hmm. These characters are not deep at all or, or like characters. I think that are designed to even almost have you relate to them in any way. Mm-hmm. They are archetypes in the same way that like, uh, this is the wrong, this is the wrong sort of analogy, but I can't think of it like classic sort of, uh, Greek or Roman God sort of archetypes. It, it's not, it's not like, obviously it's not that same level right. of power, but you have, uh, the young, super talented, per- like the, the young, super talented person, then the kind of psychotic criminal, then two the, of them, no less for some reason. Well, well, yeah, which is kind of strange. I think it was just wanted to have fun with it. And the, the gimmick was you never did the job with the same group of four twice. Until he does. <laughs> he doesn't. He does. He does the same. He does it. He does a new, he does. He works with Jamie Foxx and John Hamm twice. Nope. Only once they they had to go get guns for the same job. They did a a job right at the beginning of the movie. No, that was with, that was with Grimes. That was with, um, with, um, John Hamm and John Hamm is in the first heist and then he's in the second heist. No, no, he's in the third. heist. Yeah. But the, the groups, the groups of four are never the same. That's the gimmick. Uh, okay. I, I thought it was the case that it he never, is not. Works with, work, never works with the same people. No, no. He never works with the same group twice. He intermixes his people. But then why does it matter that he always uses baby drivers? Like, why does he make a big point about the fact that he always uses baby drivers? Because he's the best. He's the best no, driver. No, I know. But but if 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 he if he uses the same people I don't over know, and over I don't again. know why. I thought, I thought the thing was he never works with the same crew twice. No, no. The same exact crew twice. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's not a big deal of the movie. It's just something he says. And I kind of liked how they switched characters in and out because they they're one, fun. Yeah, one character out. No, they switched a bunch, but one died. One went away. One, like, yeah, John Bernthal, like, goes away at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And, they, and they kind of replace him with Jamie Foxx. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, he's kind of a psychopath. And they replace him yeah, with Jamie Foxx. Which is fine. I, it's just I don't like, care. I like it, them both. It's not, not a movie breaker, but I was like, oh, that's weird. Anyway, uh, the... I just think the characters aren't there. I don't think the characters are designed to have you like have a deep emotional connection with them. I think, I think the story overall is where it, or the sort of the, uh, again, I, I hate to go back to this word, but like the rhythm of the story is the point. Right. I, I don't think that that's an excuse 
for not I'm not, having, make, I'm for, not making an excuse. No, I'm saying you no, focus. No, 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 what I'm saying is I don't think that's an excuse for having uninteresting characters, which is what we have. I don't think. I think. Baby, I don't think and interesting characters. I don't think like super deep, interesting characters are necessary for the type of film that this is trying to be. I, it was, there's two words that you use there. And I think that there are two distinctions, which is one super deep. I, I agree. Not every film has to have a super deep character. But I think every film should have an interesting character. And unfortunately for me, Baby himself at the heart of this film is a somewhat uninteresting character. And he I, was the best when he wasn't with the criminals. He was the best when he was dancing down the street with coffee. He was the best when he was interacting with his deaf stepfather. Right. He was the best. Uh, no, those are the two things because the love story in this is, it's very archetypal. It's very sort of forced a little bit. I didn't get the chemistry yeah. except this is something else I'll sort of say, because again, you get chemistry can be told to the audience in different ways. Do yeah. I think that their relationship felt natural or sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of believable on its own? No. Do I think with the combination of the music and a couple specific shots and cinematography that they did in particular, it instantly melded me together like these people love each other. And one of them, it's so strange, but I just have to call this out because it's one of the and it's so stupid, but it's burned into my mind now. And it's going to be a shot that I always go back to when I when I'm thinking of like how to show characters in love. Is it washing machines? Uh, it's the f in the laundromat. It's the both feet pointing different directions because they're sitting sort of back yeah. to back tapping to the same song. Mm -hmm. And there's I don't know what it is about that shot, but that shot like got me like legit. Like I was like, oh, because I was having problem with the relationship before that. Yeah. That happened. I'm like, nope, they're in love. And I was like, how did that shot do that? I, I, you know, I agree with I agree with you that he he makes those moments work. I think the problem for me happens towards the third act with this with with the which we can get to with, with the relationship. Uh, but I totally agree with you. I think I think that stuff really works. I think I think it's charming. Uh, I think it's really well, well conceived, if not somewhat dated, you know, like it doesn't feel like it has a lot of, um, it's not, it's not modern and progressive. It's very throwbacky kind yeah, of, it relation. feels like a greaser film almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is, uh, you know, and then the, here's the other thing about this film, um, which is that the you know the thing that we know Edgar Wright from is that you know he is stylist he is a he is a style if nothing if not a stylist you know sure. like he knows exactly how to command the cinematic language in a way that creates uh, a, a contained unified really interesting world. Um, this to me was the least stylish of his movies, and 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 in a way. Uh, invited the least amount of audience participation in the suspension of disbelief. So interesting, you know, like, like it, it, uh, I get that there's this sort of heightened fantasy world, but it felt, it, it felt the least stylized of all his movies. So I couldn't quite, I, I found that there was, I could see that, that, that all the, the, the markers to say, Hey, you know, when people, you know, like, uh, there, there's a drum and the hum and, you know, like the, hum the, and the drum, hum and, the drum and, there's, and there's, you know, like, uh, Mozart the, and a go-kart. Yeah. Mozart, Mozart and a go-kart for jungle to the trap. Everybody knows bats. There's this kind of rhythm to this film that is there's a lot of rhythmic dialogue. Yeah. But it, you know, like, and, and the film is, you know, like even that there's that beautiful, uh, single take at the beginning where he's going to get coffee and we see this sort of interaction reminding me a lot of La La Land, uh, as well. It's, it was, it was funny because that scene, that specific thing, when he's sort of singing and dancing on his way back from getting coffee, yeah. that that scene, I was like, oh, that's better than like everything in La La Land for me because he, I would disagree with that, that which but, is fine. But, but the, the, the interesting thing about that is, did you notice all the fun things like in, in, the, in background, the background, like, the, uh, like the murals. words were in the, in yeah. the murals or the graffiti or the uh, shop signs? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of like, yeah, like we said, he's a filmmaker so that good. rewards repeat viewings, but 
oddly, I found, and this is from a cinematographer, the guy who shot The Matrix shot this movie, Bill yeah. Pope. Um, I found this movie to be less stylized than all of his other movies in a way that didn't invite me like, like that kind of level of stylization that he's had invites you into like suspending your disbelief of the heightened sense of this fantasy. This is the thing. This film of his is the least zany I've seen. Yeah. And that's fine for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't need, I don't need it to be as long as it sort of stays true to itself throughout. And mm -hmm. I do feel like it absolutely did. Uh, it does. Yeah, I, I, doubt. I feel like, it sets up this sort of rhythmic world, both musically uh, through the dialogue, even through this. I mean, obviously through the editing uh, and it sticks with it the entire time. Uh, do I think like, for instance, the thing you brought up and I don't want to just gush on this to gush on it. I, and I do absolutely love it, but it does have problems. It is strange that uh, Grime or Grimes. Um, I keep wanting to call him Grimes. That's not his actual character. John, name. John Bernthal, yeah. who is sorry. Uh, he's Griff. Yeah, yeah. Griff Grimes uh, is. <laughs> cool uh, he's like, he does play kind of the psycho guy, but then he like kind of goes away after doing a successful job. And then Jamie Foxx comes in like, you're right. It's that's yeah. strange. I also liked it. I don't know. And I was trying to pinpoint why, because uh, narrative wise, I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. No, it's, it's not a bad, th like, like nothing. He look, Edgar Wright is a fucking great filmmaker. I think, you, you know what I mean? Like, so there's nothing he does that is bad. This is what I think it is. Yeah. Uh, first job is with, uh, it's with, uh, so it's with uh, Griff buddy played by John Hamm, who I, John Hamm, if you're listening, can we be best friends? <laughs> like I just, everything you do, man is so fucking cool. And uh, I just yeah. fanboyed out a little bit. Uh, what is that? Keeping up with the Joneses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like that as well? I, I'll watch anything that John Hamm. <laughs> uh, also, his girlfriend, uh, played by Elsa Gonzalez, uh, Darling. Uh, so the first one is Buddy, Griff, Darling, and Baby. Yeah. First heist that happens. It's in just this weird that the that the not working with the same crew basically means switching out one person. Sure. And I don't <laughs> know why, but they they set it up as a rule and they did it and they did it. Uh, then the next one is, I believe, with I like uh, the guy who puts Asian in Home Invasion. Yeah, yeah. DJ is is. <laughs> is the character's name um, who I believe is played by Lanny June. Uh, also flea is in there as yeah. Eddie and then bats who is um, Jamie Fox flea with no nose. And then yeah, flea with no, yeah, Eddie with Eddie no nose. Yeah. And then finally for the last heist, uh, they sort of do a, a, a greatest hits with uh, baby bats, uh, buddy and uh, darling. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I liked it, but you, you are right. It's an interesting, odd choice. I, I in fact, none of that really, I, I don't care. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all that that is you know, like, it's, it's, I don't care if that's a rule and they made it or if I misunderstood it, whatever it is. The thing that, that, that uh, makes this uh, uh, thing for me is I want, I, like you, I wanted to love this movie. I want to go into this movie and have that summer experience that is like, Oh my God, I can just forget about the world outside. I can, you know, I can just get, I can have that person we were talking about, like that does sort of sure. that, that movie energize me in a way that I, you know, that, that movies do. And it just didn't quite do that for me. And, and, uh, you know, and the, the, the longer the movie went on, the further it goes down the sort of crisscross path of this heist that goes wrong the less interested I became in this film and, and even towards the end of it the, with, with one exception, with one exception and I we'll guess get we'll, we'll get to that yeah. in spoilers. Um, I think we're kind of there, but we'll, we'll yeah, go. Crazy. Yeah. But, but, but the, the thing at the heart of this is baby. Now look, Ansel, uh, Ansel, Ansel Elgort, 
Uh, did you watch The Fault in, House, uh, in Her Stars? No. Uh, I didn't either. Um, uh, you know, he's the hot young 20, 20 something that, uh, uh, and I listened to a podcast where Edgar was talking about casting him and how, you know, like they wanted someone that was that age, not like a 30 year old playing a 20 year old and that he was clearly the best of his generation. Um, I, I, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I think he plays this correctly. Like he does everything right in this movie. Uh, the, he, he does the singing and dancing really well, but, but you know, for me, uh, um, what I look for in an actor uh, and what I look for in a film is like this X factor that I can't quite describe. And what I see in this actor is an actor that's cast well and performs correctly, but not that X factor. See, I see that X factor in the scenes I mentioned before the dancing specifically. Well, the dancing's great, but also specifically anytime with uh, Jonathan with, uh, with, played with by, uh, I got to remember the, the, the actor's the name dad, which, uh, yeah. which is a diff person playing CJ Jones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So his family, he's, I guess one of seven kids, uh, I guess I believe deaf parents. He did was not deaf originally, but then an accident made him deaf. What were the oh, CJ? Jones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, something along those lines. Uh, so, but he, he's, I mean, he's amazing in this movie. He's, he's great and everything. And like the, the, the thing that I loved was there was a level of, it was that X factor and it was that X factor of earnestness that I felt between them that I never felt between him and, uh, Deborah. Right. Uh, that I never felt and when he was in the criminal world, he yeah. was like, try and, and this is the, this is the problem with trying to play that character putting on a front to be like yeah. a tough guy, which is basically shutting down and listening to music. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just, it, it's hard to do. And I don't think he pulls that off great, but yeah. I do see that X factor in various smaller scenes in this movie. Also, you know what I will say in the diner scene when he's super nervous about the group figuring out that, uh, he knows Deborah. Yeah. I see some of it there. Um, but it's, it's, it's not, I, I will give you that. It's not consistent. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that thing where you're like, you're glued to this guy in every screen. And, and like, uh, you know, like I know it's a movie you don't like, but I think it's hard to argue that Ryan Gosling and drive doesn't have X factor. Like he is, he is, you know, uh, I could, I could argue that. I, I think he's, you know, like you can't take, he's your eye. so boring in that movie uh, for you. Okay. Like let's, let's pull another Ryan Gosling movie and let's not pull La La Land, but let's pull, um, uh, did you see the place beyond the pines? No, uh, he's magnificent. Nice guys. Yeah, pull nice, nice guys. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> oddly one of my, he's good. In it. He's but I liked good. him a lot. Yeah. I, he was super charismatic. His character was believable just, and interesting. He's got this sort of like factor where you're like, okay, I can watch any scene he's in. Sure. I can watch everything he's doing. And I buy, and, and, and for, for drive, me, I'll give him 10 minutes, but then I got so bored of his one note crap that I really <laughs> like, it felt old for me. We've talked about that to death. Uh, I, I think he works really well in that, in that film kind of playing almost the same kind of baby, character. A baby. Well, again, I will agree. He's not a, uh, a, a, a beautiful, perfect character is far more interesting interesting to me than the driver was. See, that's, that's, this is where you and I just will split on opposite sides yeah. of the fence here. Cause I, I found baby to be much less interesting and much oh, less compelling. No way. Not for me. Um, and, and you know, but you even said yourself, he's not great in every single scene. He's no, great no, no. In but scene. I would say consistently if I had to pick, I mean, obviously I would pick baby for again, personally, yeah. uh, over the driver. But is that because you preferred the movie? I mean, it's hard to, tear the main characters away right. from their own films, but because I'm, I'm still, just, I'm, yes. to, I'm talking if about, if you put, if you switched, listen, if you took, and I don't know how this would work, this would be a weird, weird science moment, but yeah. if you took characters and just swapped them in the exact same yeah, here's movies, what I'm saying. if you, if Ryan Gosling had never been in the movie drive, like, so we didn't associate him with that character, but appeared in baby driver 
as that character in this movie, I think that would be pretty compelling. It pretty w- he would have been a better character. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But, and that's, and, and and I'm that's not blaming, what I'm saying. And I'm not blaming, but but if you take the character he played in Drive and you put it against this kid's character in Baby Driver, Baby Driver is better. Well, but uh, do well, I think but, Ryan Gosling could play baby better? Yeah. No, well, here's the, but, uh, but, but this gets to another point that we were, that we were mentioning earlier, which is that I think that, that the story of baby in baby driver is not that compelling. And the uh, story of the driver in drive is not compelling. I think the story of the driver, this is drive where we is, just disagree. Is, is really compelling. It's really disagree. interesting. Um, this, this story, you know, baby driver's story feels a little bit throwback, a little bit uninteresting, a little, to me, the, the relationship between, uh, him and Debra falls into this category of like movie relationship. And it's very much movie relationship where everything you where, just, just described, you could eat, you could just literally take and put into a drive review. Like I, you just, it's the exact fucking thing. No, no, it's, 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 it's entirely not because, and the reason is because Carrie Mulligan in drive has seems to have a life outside of what's happening between her and the driver deeper character. And, yes. Yeah. And a deeper, more interesting character. And I think this movie doesn't offer that to me. So I find the, the, the reason, but the now re- you're switching to her. I was saying just no, the, no, the but, 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 but that's, but that's what I'm talking about is that the story of baby driver and his need for this relationship feels two dimensional, very movie. But before where, we were where talking where about we, just the characters, you literally broke it down as just the characters. Now we are talking about the different relationships in both of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm following. I just want to, cause that's, there's a very different. I, I also moment. think that the characters are, are listening. We know that we know our opinions on the characters. I want to move to the opinions of the relationships and in, in, in respect to that, I think the relationships are less interesting. There's one character in this film who has this kind of turn that I think is really interesting, really great. Um, it's an actor you've mentioned before, uh, John Hamm. And, and, and I, I was like, oh, I, and it's not, but it's not the case that I wish that he was the main character. I actually don't wish that. No, I, I like he's it. Great as a, yeah. He's great as the side character. I just wish that I was as compelled with baby as I was with what was going on with that guy. And that's, and to Buddy. me, that's symptomatic of where the film falls apart. The action is spectacular. The, sure, the, sure. The, that goes without saying. The driving is spectacular. The direction is spectacular. The cinematography, Bill Pope, uh, again, the guy who shot The Matrix, who shot uh, <laughs> Team America, Will Police. Fuck uh, yeah. Um, you know, like a really talented cinematographer. Uh, he also shot Scott Pilgrim, by the way. Um, I love him. Uh, I'm, there's something about the way this film is put together. I will, but here's the, here's the part where I will forget, uh, where I think what happened here is that, is that remembering that, uh, um, and and this is actually going to get into a broader conversation. I want to have this conversation before we get into spoilers. The conversation is about what happened this week with, uh, Chris, um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, the directors of 21 jump street who were recently fired from the, uh, star Wars movie. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the reason that conversation comes up is because Edgar Wright was also famously removed from From his his Ant-Man movie. And, and, uh, you know, Edgar Wright was asked about why, you know, like the conversation about what happened to Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, in relation to his firing of, of uh, Ant-Man. And and the thing he said that I thought was really interesting. And in fact, uh, our friend Reed Sharazan, uh, emailed us about this as well, said that, you know, like Marvel wanted, uh, a Marvel movie and not an Edgar Right movie, right. and what happened on what seems to be the reporting that's happening on the Star Wars movies is that they wanted 
a Star Wars movie uh, by Lawrence Kasdan, who's the writer, not a Phil Lord and Chris Miller movie, you know, who had made, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm getting their names wrong, um, around the wrong way. Um, So the thing that I think is interesting about this film in relation to that whole conversation is that I feel like this is Edgar Wright coming back from the Ant-Man debacle and making a kind of balls to the wall action movie that he might've made with Ant-Man. Um, and I, I think in a weird way somewhere, you know, like, and I think, and I think they're trying to cram a lot in this. The budget for this movie is only $30 million, which is for Edgar Wright. You know, that's kind of strange. I mean, not, it's not strange for Edgar Wright, but of the elk of kind of filmmakers that you would trust with a hundred million dollar movie, Edgar Wright would be like, Oh man, that guy can handle a hundred. But this is because (laughs) it is a full on passion project from him. Yeah. No studio asked for this movie. No, uh, and, and it's thirty million dollars, and I and so the look of this movie, I feel like the 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 stylization, what they can and can't do because they're shooting outdoors in light with practical uh, visual effects, yep. means that the you know like the things that they could have done if the movie was smaller and more contained you know, is a little bit, you know, like for example, Scott Pilgrim is a little bit smaller, a little bit more contained so they can stylize it and kind of go to town with individual scenes here. They're trying to do a lot it with not a lot. So I think that stylization kind of balance kind of full falls more towards, I'd rather just have things happen on screen rather than have like amazingly beautiful things happen on screen, you know, or, or amazingly stylized things happen on screen. Okay. And, 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 and to me, it just kind of, it, it's, I can see why the tinkering happened that way. And I'm, you know, totally understanding of it if, if that's the case, but it just, for me personally, the movie kind of just starts slipping away in terms of like my ability to engage with it, even on a surface level, like hot fuzz is a movie that I enjoy on a surface level, but I think there's depth to it because of the stylization. And, and this kind of just doesn't have that for me. And, and the, the, the holes of like, whether I'm interested in baby and his story start to kind of show through the seams a little bit. I think I have definitely done this in my own work. So it's not a sure, sure, sure. You know, you like, know, like, and I'm not, you know, you don't have to defend yourself against Edgar Wright. Who's totally listening right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I would just say that it's just again, I'm coming at this film from a point that like, I like the style of work that he does consistently yeah. has always spoken to me just like to my core. Yeah. This movie, in my opinion, while I do agree, it's the least zany and the least sort of like otherworldly, I guess like not otherworldly, but like just the style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, it's a different style. That's okay. the thing. That's fair. Um, I just, it, because I do feel like I really feel this at this point in Edgar Wright's life and a little bit 20 years ago. Yeah. This is the purest form of what he loves and what he considers fun and amazing and just an ama- a good time. Mm-hmm. And that to me, because that feeling is so present yeah. in the film washes over any problem that I could possibly have with it. And I do, and we'll get into a couple just sort of small bits, but, and I, I just think, uh, and it's, it's interesting because you know how my go-to with you is like, Oh, you just don't like fun. Uh, I, I, I I don't want to use that 
line here because I don't think that's your problem with it. Right. I, I just think it, I, I don't think it's my problem ever, but Oh, it is, but, no. but not this time. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the truth of the matter is it's just, um, and I, and I think he has this effect on a lot of people, which is why, I mean, this movie's rating incredibly well. I know it's, it's, hard, uh, yeah. it's like 98 or 97, I think now on rotten tomatoes or something, something along like those that, lines, yeah. it was 99 and a hundred percent at one point. And I was like, how is that a thing? It's funny because I went online to try and find reviews that, that kind of I felt in line with and yep. there are very few. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for once I'm in the majority, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just, I don't think this aligns with your core cinematic and emotional values. Uh, what you value in your time when you watch a story unfold in a movie. See, here's the thing. And I, I this is, gets to that heart of the, I hate fun thing. I think you do have a little bit of a misunderstanding of what I think is fun and what I don't think is fun. Well, I, whatever you think is fun, you don't like. <laughs> you just right. hate fun. Right. Yeah, no, you can keep saying it as much as you want. It's, it's, a, it's a fine line. Um, <laughs> um, Shaun of the Dead, to me, is a thrill ride bar none. dub a dub a dub a dub I think uh, Hot Fuzz is a thrill ride bar none, and it is incredibly fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two movies for me, I think, are fun without compromising my sense of what I think is good. But that's and, where, and, that's where the differential is because, and, and so when I differ- say you hate here's fun, the, here's the differential then for you is that something doesn't have to be good for you to, for it to be fun. Oh, a hundred percent. Correct. Right, right. Whereas I still want things to be good. And, and so this is my point with you hating me, fun. Me, okay. Sorry. Let me, let me finish. The point here is I want my fun to be good and I want it to, I want my fun to actually be fun. So I don't think, for example, people punching each other at the end of wonder woman is particularly fun. Sure. I think it's, I think it's uninteresting. I don't find most of the, the kind of resolves that these movies do where they're not interesting to be that fun. But when Mad Max, for example, goes on a throw ride towards the end of that movie and a, you know, the chase continues in a way that, that develops. I find that incredibly fun. Sure. And to use a food analogy that is not perfect. I look, you're, you need something else with just the pure joy of fun to get you into that headspace. Uh, for instance, some people, I mean, this is more kids. I can't think of another analogy and this isn't perfect, but like some kids won't eat Mac and cheese without ketchup. And this isn't the same thing. Those are two very lowbrow things. And I don't think you're coming at this from a low, lowbrow place. I think you're coming at it from a very highbrow place. Uh, but I can't think of a, a foie and something. I don't know, but like the the analogy kind of falls apart. But my point is I can and do just see the joy in, in both beautifully crafted things and incredibly dumb things. And I can, I can experience the same amount of joy in each. Right. I don't think you do. And that's fine, (laughs) but you do need a little extra. You need something to boost you into that place where your mind can get there. First, first things first is I'm uh, in, and I don't think in any way am I refuting your review that if you enjoyed this and you had a good time at it, that, that, that is in any way wrong. Like you are in the majority in this case and, and that it, it, it is, ostensibly a fun time at the movies. I find that the second half of it gets into a territory that's a little murky and makes me go, Hmm, I'm not really feeling where this movie is. Sure. That's, and that's for fine for and, you. And, and that, that to me prevents me enjoying just a pure visceral ride. If I want that, 
you know, let's go on a roller coaster. You ran out of ketchup for your mac and cheese. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> right. Uh, and look, again, I, I I hope people, listeners, I hope you don't get bored with our definitions of fun and our semantical arguments. Uh, it's just sort of where we stand. Um, I, I think every review we do. It breaks is, down to something like this. Although, like, for instance, this didn't really come up, say, with um, It Comes at Night. This doesn't come up with movies that, I, and then again, for instance, that's a film mm-hmm. that I think, even though I had the one major key problem with it uh i do think that movie is a wonderful film it's it's beautiful in a trillion different ways yeah i didn't have fun watching it okay uh which is fine and and i i can also watch films like that and i i don't think you know pure ketchup the one thing i want to say about this movie is i don't want people to walk away thinking i didn't like it it's there's a lot to like here there's a lot to like really get into you're just saying that because edgar's listening yeah and and like edgar please you know (laughs) we can still be friends after this um and you asked him why ours wasn't his favorite podcast i I have a couple of filmmaker friends that are becoming prominent filmmakers sure uh, and you want to name drop a few no no who who want to come on the show and but don't want to come on the show like because they think you're going to rip them apart no 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 no, not because of me what they don't want to do is is, is there are getting into professional capacities where they might have meetings with people who so they re- can't have honest opinions. They don't want to potentially like I get sabotage. It. And I, I get it. And I, and like I after I have those conversations, I'm like I should be smarter about this, but like I'm not. But, so. but this is something I uh, look it's for as wrong as I think you are. Sometimes same you think I'm in wrong. Whatever you are never. Uh, now I feel it's going to get into a love fest, but fuck it, it's our podcast. You are never disrespectful to the filmmaker and I'm disrespectful to films. I think a lot of times and you, I think are less disrespectful to the individual films. I think I'm more, okay. um, but that's neither here nor there, yeah. but as far, and I think we both try to do this very well, but I've noticed specifically, even when you shit on something, we always do go back and you specifically like to call this out. And I'm so glad you do that. Making films is difficult. And these are incredibly hardworking people that just go out and try their best to do something amazing. I don't think 95% of, of filmmakers and people involved in the industry aren't going out there to make a piece of shit and things that come out that we consider bad fall apart for a trillion different reasons. It's also, it's also the case that I think one thing we never quite acknowledge is that when someone's making something, uh, they're working in the future tense, which is that this is something I always think about, which is that the thing that they're making is like an uncertainty. It's in the future. It you might never know until it's you, done. You never know until it's good. It's like, it might be good and I'm going to go off and do this now. And then suddenly it's, it, you know, like maybe it's not good. Sure. Whereas when we're reviewing it, we're reviewing it in the past tense. We're literally being like, well, we didn't do anything on this, but we experienced it. Yeah, exactly. And we're reviewing every decision as though it was like sit in stone. Whereas like a million decisions get made for a million different reasons. All of that is to say, Edgar Wright is a master filmmaker. Every film he's made has demonstrated without a doubt that he is, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, but I this know. one just didn't speak to you, which is fine. I don't know what, how many platitudes we can, we can play. We don't need to it, look, you, we've covered, <laughs> we've covered our bases. Uh, no, but the, it's, it's a hundred percent true. And I, I just, I, I fell in love with this movie after the first car. How do you, how do you place it compared to Scott Pilgrim? Oh, Scott Pilgrim is still, but Scott Pilgrim is this level of craft and love mixed with the exact contents of my subconscious. So here's one thing I think you do well that I don't do very well, which is that when I fall in love with a filmmaker and they give me something that's like a nine or a 10 out of 10 for me or whatever. Sure. If, if they, 
if they give me something later that's like a five out of ten or a six or a seven, okay, you hate that. I, I just kind of like I, I I no. What happens is I discount it and just go back to well, it wasn't as good as the ten. I've out noticed of 10. that, that and makes that's an sense. impossible standard to live up to. If like if you've given me a perfect movie, it's just different boxes, man. Yeah, it's, it's just it's like, different. I can't, you can't give me a perfect movie every time. Edgar Wright, like for instance, if you want to take the Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim checks. <laughs> Uh, just a different set of boxes than baby driver does. And th- like, for instance, do I think that Edgar Wright loved Scott Pilgrim? A hundred percent. You can feel it on the screen. Yeah. Do I think he loved it as much as baby driver? No fucking way. Do I think that the content of Scott Pilgrim is more interesting to me than baby driver? Yes. Do I think the enthusiasm he shows for baby driver draws me into a film? I wouldn't maybe otherwise be as invested in that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So like, I'm I because I do love him and anything that I do love this goes for games people anything it's it's the entirety of the experience and I don't try to sort of be like well like that that thing that this thing did forever ago is is ostensibly better in my opinion therefore I'm not going to enjoy it I just love it for different reasons right and that's and that's a really good quality to have that's something I don't do like if something you know I'm I'm more of a I I like to categorize sure. I like to like hoard and categorize yeah um and 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 so that's the, I mean like I think we've kind of covered yeah. Why? Where Our subconscious we, where we about how we enjoy things. The thing, the thing is, regardless, even, you know, like sometimes on the spectrum of where you and I land, like, for example, if we're talking about drive. I would rate that movie uh, an eight out of 10, whereas you would rate it a four out of 10. So the range is really big. Or, I was about to say four. You yeah, know yeah. me pretty well. Whereas in this one, I think what I'm saying is this is a. A seven out of 10, you're saying it's an eight out of 10. Like the rate, we're still saying it's great. I'm still saying, I would honestly put it at a nine, to be honest. Right. I know it's one point up. Yeah. But let's, you but, know, but, but you know what I'm saying? The range yeah, isn't yeah. like, we're, we're not, one of us isn't saying this movie's garbage. No. And and the other one's saying it's brilliant. We're both saying it's great. It's just. I'm just saying it's greater. Yeah. And also, I you know, like I do, I do think that, that some of the, the, the character and story work on this is a little bit uninteresting and it doesn't go anywhere in, in a place that I think is interesting. My with, interest is drawn elsewhere. Right. With the exception of here we go for spoilers. Okay. When the death of Darling happens, John Hamm's character takes quite a turn to a turn that is set up earlier in the film. Heist goes wrong. Uh, baby starts having in the final heist. So just sort of set yeah. this up, uh, which is with bats, buddy and darling yeah. uh, at a post office that they go and scout. There's a hilarious. Oh, Kevin Spacey's in this movie too. We haven't mentioned <laughs> his name. He's wonderful. I love him and everything. Frank Underwood. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> I love that scene with the ring. Uh, so, uh, he, uh, a baby has to case the, the post office with, yeah. uh, with, uh, uh, his character's name is doc yeah. doc's nephew. And he meets a bank teller. He finds out she's going to be working the next day. He also know bats is kind of crazy and has tried to kill and tried to kill people on the last job. Yeah. Uh, he's very murderous and he doesn't want anything harmful that baby. doesn't want anything harmful to happen in any of these heists. I just like the word murderous. I was he's like, murderous. I really like that guy, but he's a little murderous. He's a lot of murderous. <laughs> so, um, so then the, the heist as it's happening, uh, 
I think he he tries to signal sort of baby while they're in the post office as his workers going in. He kind of shakes her head, his head and then she goes and gets a cop and then they all run out and baby kind of freezes because he realizes like he killed somebody in the in the post office. And he's just going to keep killing people and he puts a gun to baby's head and he's like, you better drive blah, blah, blah. Baby then pulls. He just drives straight into a truck that had rebar hanging out the side, which impales bats. Mm-hmm. And then so buddy and darling are like, what the fuck? Get us out of here. Like da 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 da. And they get sort of cornered. They get into a shootout again, still on the same team because there was no love loss with Buddy and Bats. They didn't yeah. particularly like each other. In fact, there's a beautiful scene uh, once after this, after the first heist, I think, when or maybe they're planning the third. I don't quite remember where Buddy goes over and is like kind of befriends. No, it's after the first one. When they're talking about Brighton Beach. Yeah. Uh, and and, and they, like, he goes over and he, and he Brighton Rock. Yeah. And he puts in one of the headphones. And they have that moment where they're listening to a song together. Yeah. And you're like, oh, like they he likes this weird extra kid that's yeah. in this sort of thing. Then they get into a shootout of the cops present tense in the movie and uh, darling gets gunned down by the cops who she's gunning at. Yeah. Uh, and he does. T- John Ham's buddy takes an interesting turn because it goes from we're in this together. We need to get out of this to you fucking stupid kid. Your actions caused my my there's lover to die. There's literally a shot in the parking garage at the end of the film, which is I th- I'm pretty sure a direct reference to Terminator because uh, there's a shot where is basically John Hamm is, dri- is driving through the parking lot scanning for for baby and it looks exactly like one shot from Terminator 1. Yep. Um I, and I think the thing that's interesting here is that this, there's a backstory to Buddy that Jamie Foxx kind of alludes to that he was a former Wall Street broker with a wife who kind of like maybe snorted too much cocaine and decided to like jump into this life because he loves it for the sex, the drugs, the action. Um which is really interesting because yeah. that's an interesting backstory to this guy. And then we see it reveal itself in this sort of, he becomes like, well, even his darling rosity becomes like after raises. that scene when they're on the diner and Jamie Foxx's bat says that to him, uh, darling speaks up for him and goes like, you don't know this man when he yeah. has his mind now or whatever. See, that's, and this is what I'm talking about. Be a character that's interesting in a way that, that makes me, that makes them compelling is that is an, that is an interesting story because there's a lot of holes to fill and we're trying to figure out who this person is. I didn't find that to be true of baby. I'm going to keep moving with my food analogy. Baby in this movie is the spoon to whatever delicious dessert you are eating. The spoon is not delicious. The spoon is borderline <laughs> utilitarian. Eat spoons, except for those like little chocolate biscotti exactly. spoons you can get. Look, it's utilitarian. Now, I'm not saying that you can't look at a beautifully crafted silver spoon or whatever and be like, this is a beautiful piece of spoon, which I do think is there. But I, even though it's called Baby Driver, I don't think he's meant to be this the main character draw. He's the main character. He's not the draw of what what attracts people to this film. Right. See, that I guess that's the point at which where I go uh, to me, he story, lets us get everything else, st- but, but, but he's the spoon story and, and transformation through story is still the foremost reason we should go to the cinema. And if we're just going for the, the ride and the theatrics then I, I'm then not I going think, for, I mean, that's the, all there, but, but that, you even said the other characters, super interesting. We wouldn't get to those other characters and they wouldn't have the same presence of in, being super in, interesting in if the, we didn't have baby to get us there in the same scenario. And I know I'm comparing the, you know, to another movie, but Sean in Sean of the did is a really interesting character. His anxieties about his mother and his family and his friends and his girlfriend are really interesting. And they actually hold that film together. And the reason I want to keep going with that movie and revisiting it is because of that 
character, and he's the main character. But and, I would and, also and, say and also that, no, Nick, but, Nick, his best friend, you know, the, the played by Nick Frost, yep. is also an interesting character. And it's, it's, it's. I'm just saying that that you're, you know, it, it's something that C.J. Johnson uh, said, which is that if you're on side with a movie, you're willing to kind of go along with its flaws. Whereas if you're not on side with a movie, the flaws become bigger perforations. I get and that, I, but I just, I, and it's hard for me to be like, I get that, but no. Uh, it's, it's look, Sean, if you look at Sean and Sean of the dead, right? He does suffer from the same issues that baby does suffer in this, but the different, hold on. The difference I is, I, well, you, I, you, I raised my, you eyebrow. raised your eyes and rolled your eyes and looked away from the microphone. So I, I raised I, I, one eyebrow. I didn't roll my eyes. You looked away. You rolled your eyes. Okay. Uh, there's an old, very old, sensitive to my old Mary couple. Yeah. Uh, the, but Sean has the bonus. I'm doing it. On I know. Now. Uh, now you're kind of looking like the rock. Uh, Sean has the bonus of two things. One, Simon Pegg. Two, it's a comedy and he's meant to be a silly, silly man. That is, lets you get away with an emptier character. Not to say that he doesn't go through growth and like whatever, but that lets you get away with it more than this character of baby who is very stoic when he's in 80% of this movie. Do I think he could have brought a little more joy to some stuff in there? Sure. That's a character choice. That's a directing choice, whatever, but it is the same type. It's just that Sean has this uh, a, a couple additional crutches to get you on board. He's still the, 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 again, the spoon that gets you to all of the other interesting characters and scenarios here. Here's where I think the difference is, is that I think the, the theatrics and the mechanics of, of baby driver gets in the way of telling a good story. I think this, I think what can in this case, you know, like he even taught, you know, Edgar Wright talks about this is that the theatrics and, and planning the heist all comes first before the actual story does. And I think in the other case, the, even if, even if the, 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 the idea of zombies and an idiot kind of like are, are the foundation principles sure. of Shaun of the Dead, the, the, the structure of that film and what's important to that film are the character and story moments and, and everything else in my opinion, gets bitter because of that. In this case, the story brings down my enjoyment of the theatrics. And my argument is the structure of this movie is the story as opposed to the characters sort of strengthening an individual uh, sort of yarn, I guess is the lack right. of you're, you're, you're enjoying it for the ride that it takes you on and for the thrills of the moment that are occurring. And because the characters are so archetypal, is that a Arch- archetypal? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it can get away in my opinion right. with less development on. Them. I think that what I was saying is that, is that I think the, the stylization of those other films allowed me to forgive those kinds of, I get that. Well, I think that's the, where the comedy comes in and all that stuff. Yeah. Here's something. And I know we're going a little bit over. I know I've been gushing about this thing. You want to hear something I didn't like about it? Hit me. Um, I did not like, this is a spoiler as well. All of a sudden doc, who's been kind of just uh, this crime boss, Kevin yeah, Spacey, suddenly- uh, who's been basically like making baby, uh, go crush a dead guy who helped him with the thing. Flea. Who's in the trunk, uh, get crushed in a car crusher or, uh, letting him out of the business after he paid him back for all this money. 
money baby stole when he was like 15. Yeah. Uh, then he's like, oh, you're out. Well, you're no, you're not out. Like now you just can make money and you're going to do it because I'm going to kill this girl you're dating if you don't. Um, and that brings us to the last heist. Then all of a sudden after like shootouts and he's cost Doc again, tons of more money. Doc yeah. ends up siding with baby he, in he a says- completely unearned moment of like he's actually super fond of baby which he always was fond of baby but he was definitely like haha I love you but you're mine now and then he goes and like shoots at John Ham's buddy and like and, and, he, and, and his motivation is that he sees the two characters you know like him baby and Dib were together and he's like look at you two and I'm I'm like and that was something that I did I I, I you know because I had problems example, getting on yeah, board that's an example of, of something that like I was like huh you know like look I'm willing to go along I said this last week if a filmmaker you know, like convinces me with their style and, 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 you know, their commitment to story and character, I'm willing to go along with there. This is one case where I'm like, Ugh. I'm also not sure why it, it doesn't really explain that. Well, why baby goes along for the final heist. He's kind of like given an out and he, you know, like he's, he, he's basically cause they capture him with the tapes yeah, yeah. and then like he managed to explain himself away and they're like, you know what? We're going to get find another driver. But suddenly he's like, no, it's me. I'm going to drive. I'm going to do this. I'm like, Why I think, and dri- I, again, I don't think this is explained well. Yeah. Uh, and that is a problem. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because he wants to try to stop bats from killing the people in the post office. I think that's what it is again. It's not, but like that's based on character development that I did watch in subtle moments. Yeah. Uh, but I could totally see because of the bombastic nature of this film that gets steamrolled. Right. Um, so I think it sets it up incredibly lightly. Uh, um, I also just found the, the kind of the ending of the movie where he gets ending is interesting. It, it, it feels like they just had five minutes left and they had to like speed it along. Cause baby eventually goes to jail and does his time and then comes out. And, and the reason there's an okay payoff for this is at the very end of the film. There's some fantasy shots he has of Deborah, like on against a car in black and white and whatever. And you just sort of think he's like daydreaming or dreaming. Comes and then true. it, it comes true at the end and it's kind of a nice fairy tale sort of, you know, bullshit fairy tale ending that I really, I, from an emotional level, it, it, it and especially from an archetype of right. love it, the fastest simplest way they could have done it i think they did it the problem is it doesn't feel entirely earned because you speed through baby sentence at prison not that i want to watch baby also, in prison su- suddenly this guy who's being who's basically being there's a kind of like uh, i don't know where this comes from but it's like it's it, there's a this is a wish fulfillment movie kind of thing where we're like oh he's really just a good guy and you know like this woman is like oh he threw me a, a purse he's just you know it doesn't matter that he was like involved in a crime where where people got murdered you know multiple times and has been robbing banks for his whole life or anything like that it's like ah oh, you know he's a, he's a good guy we're going to give him 5 years you know parole it, part of me just goes it's just a little bit wish fulfillment e that that kind of doesn't. That, I guess, but it also just, it, what it does is I get it. It just leaves a slightly sour taste in your mouth. It's kind of when you're eating like a packet of Oreos and you're like, ah, this is not really that good for me. You know what I mean? Like that's what that ending does for me. It's like it's, I mean, it's, I can see that how that could do that for a person. It mm-hmm. it didn't quite do it for me. There is something slightly off about it. Yeah, and it's just it's just this sort of you know like slightly wish fulfillment kind of thing but where for a movie that is like willing to engage in morality through death you know like like the the bad people die 
good people live, you know, kind of thing. That's, that's the morality that, that, that is archetypal in cinema. Sure. And this is, you know, kind of a little bit funky. Oh, it wasn't Flea. Sorry. In the, in the trunk, it was JD was in the trunk. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, we've been going for a little bit over an hour. Do you want to do final thoughts? I mean, I think we've covered it really again, you know, like this is a, uh, a seven out of 10. If we're going to, we, we don't tend to do number rankings. For why are you doing them? Because, because I want to illustrate the point that even though I have been saying, you know, things that didn't work, inflammatory things. Yeah. Uh, work for me in the movie. Uh, it is a very good movie. I enjoyed that. It was, uh, an original summer release that it, that it didn't feel entirely derivative that, that this is a filmmaker who has demonstrated passion, uh, that, that demonstrates a command of the cinematic language, much in the same way that I talked about, uh, trade with Schultz in, uh, for it comes at night is a filmmaker that, that I feel in very good, safe hands with. Um, it's not, up to the elk of, of his previous films. But if we've determined that that is a, that is a, a, a crutch with which I review with. And if you, uh, if you feel, if you, if you enjoy that, my crutches, then, <laughs> then, then take that for what you will. If you God don't, bless if, you, us, everyone. <laughs> if you, if you, if you don't enjoy, if you do, if you think that that's not a valid way to review this film, then, then, you know, like by all means, I think the majority of people are on board for this film. Uh, I'm just not a hundred percent on board. All right. Uh, look, I've said a lot of, I mean, I, this is an amazing film this is purely made out of the love of the art of filmmaking. I think every aspect was, I think, uh, to be honest, perfectly crafted for what Edgar Wright was trying to do. The small problems I have, like Doc's sudden flip, Griff's randomly leaving that we sort of talked about replaced with bats and like the really sort of simplified love story. Take nothing away from it from me. Like that's literally me just trying to like, you know, do it sort of olive branch to the people that don't like that cat that, that just it doesn't connect with and being like, yeah, I, I can see the, some of the points going on. It's an amazing piece of cinema. You need to go see it. You need to go in a theater. I will go with you. When do you want to go? Uh, and I mean, to put it best, I, I do just feel like I need to quote most of the Cornetto trilogies when they say it's lines like this, but it is a slice of fried gold. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. This has been the only podcast about baby driver. The, the Edgar Wright's not favorite podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. Do you know what his favorite podcast was? No. You must remember this. Oh, have you ever listened? I've to heard this? of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very good. And, All right. You know, well, like, you can't, you can't he, knock him. The man's got good taste. Uh, Although he's got bad taste because he doesn't listen to us. <laughs> well, uh, things out on that. Uh, Shahir, when uh, you're not making me defend <laughs> defend my purest self, right. what, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me at www.shahirdad.com. That's uh, S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-D. A special shout out this week. Uh, I want to plug uh, a music video that I just released uh, called Wind at My Back by the artist Pyramids. It's so good. Uh, Y. R-M-D-S, so it's missing some uh, vowels in there. Um, you know what? I don't spell well anyway. So it's it not. Matter. It's actually not on my website, but you can. Uh, we'll post it up on, on the Facebook and Twitter. I think we've already done this. Post it up on the Facebook and do Twitter it again. page. We'll do it in, in conjunction with this. It's a music video that is a low budget, lower budget music video, but I think one with uh, some interesting ideas, and I'm very proud of it. Nice. Um, so, Matt, when you are defending wholeheartedly films, <laughs> the cinema 
of artists whom you can poke, you could have poked holes in, but you chose not to because of your bitter self. I feel, uh, yeah, I mean, I poked holes, but then I also, uh, I was willing to do the bailing. The bailing? Of the boat, of okay. the water. Where can people bail With onto me? your website or go to see baby driver again with you. Oh yeah. That's good. If you, if you contact me, any of these ways, you can go to my website, M A T T H E W K R O L.com for my life and works. You can, uh, Skeletor, the number four P R E Z get in my DMS or Twitter emperor M S K. I will go see baby driver with any of you. If you are in the New York city area, uh, yeah, and uh, oh, I also feel like that is a thing you might regret if someone takes you up on it. Bring it, let's go. Uh, also, um, I just did a fun thing actually before the podcast. I want to sort of give this a shout out. My uh, beautiful, uh, wonderful friend with great pipes, Chelsea White, oh, from our Wonder pipes. Woman song. Yeah, she just started a Facebook Live talk show. She's a wonderful host who just fucking kicks ass at all at everything she does, and uh, it's called what a delight with Chelsea white. You can find it on Facebook. We did our inaugural episode. Uh, it's a half hour talk show. It's super, it's super weird and quirky and actually very positive. Okay. Uh, the entire thing is about what she finds delightful that week. We had a great guest. We, uh, I, I, uh, I am totally not the DJ, but I've heard the DJ DJ duck hunt demon is a wonderful, uh, it looks a lot like you. He, I, it's, I've heard that, Yeah. but it's, it's wonderful. It's a, a, a drop of positivity in an otherwise fucking dismal goddamn existence. <laughs> How and people uh, find uh, uh, Facebook. You just have to search what a delight with Chelsea white. I'm surprised she didn't name it lane pipe with Chelsea white, but you know, because she's not a <laughs> fucking pervert. Uh, she's got great pipes. She, she has. <laughs> yeah, but you make that dirty. All right. Oh, uh, I make that dirty. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think we got to go out with one of the seminal tracks of the movie. Also the drink that we, well, pretend we're drinking all the time. Well, well I, I drink it. Yeah. Tequila. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we got to do it. We got to do it. Da, 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 da. Anyway, we will, we will see you next week for a very similar sounding songs, original theme song, doing whatever a spider can. Homecoming. We'll see you next week for that, baby. Don't take this from me. You son of a bitch. I was very civil this time. Next time. Gloves are off. You know, you know, we're gloves. Thwip. Thwip.